Podcast One production. The Health Hacker with Adam McDougall. And as you know, on The Health Hacker, Adam McDougall hacks into a topic for you on every episode. Dairy, muscle gain, fat loss, strength, longevity, mental health. But sometimes Adam likes to sit down with someone else and ask them questions and figure out how they've hacked their lives and then pass this knowledge on to you. And on this episode, Adam's going to chat with comedian Merrick Watts. Merrick has just been on the TV show SAS Australia. That's where they put you through the paces of joining the most elite military service in the world. And it looks like a reality show in inverted commas, but Merrick tells Adam that it was no joke. And in this chat, Merrick reflects on just how much of him changed, both mentally and physically, from the person that went into the start of the program to the person that came out the other end. It's a really fascinating chat. And of course, if you want us to ever hack into someone for you specifically, email Adam and request the person, healthhacker at themanshake.com.au or on his Manshake socials or at the website, themanshake.com.au. Adam's always giving away prize packs to people whose questions and queries get onto the podcast. So let's join the man who's been to the physical brink and back. It's Merrick Watts. Well, mate, thanks for being here today. You're looking Pleasure. very fit, mate. Can you give us a bit of background why you're looking so fit? Well, I've just uh, I've come off the back of filming a television show called SAS Australia. Yeah, what's um, that about? A lot of people might not know what it is. Can it's, you it's, um, <laughs> it is a television program of the realest nature where people put themselves under uh, what is simulated um, SAS selection. So for the Special Air Service um, Regiment, which, of course, is the most elite fighting force in the world, uh, they have a very, very special training and selection system for soldiers to try and join the SAS. And a television uh, show, a, a company in the UK, has four DS members, uh, which is the directing staff. They basically replicate SAS selection and they put it on a television show and it is 100% real deal. I and cannot tell you. How did you get tied into this show? Did someone just ring you up and say, we want you to come on this show? <clears throat> That's what happened with everybody else, but I'm a dickhead. So <laughs> what I did is I rang them up and I said, that looks torturous and awful. Can I be a part of that? Yeah. And they said, really? And I said, yeah, I'd love to. Because I'd seen the UK version right. and uh, I loved it. I thought it was awesome. And I could see that it was fed income. And I went, that's that's for me. That's yeah. the show I want to do. So it's the first time I think that I've certainly the, the only reality show that I've ever done. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's the first thing I've actually rang them up and said, look, I, I would like to do that. And uh, so I was on board very early. Yeah, and um, what sort of entices you to want to ring up and do a show like that? Obviously something in your psychological makeup, you like to push yourself. Yeah, but I think, what, and this is what I've learnt from, I mean, you'd relate to this because, and many of your listeners would, because it's, I was told before I went in, and I kind of knew it anyway, they say it's 20% physical, 80% mental. Yeah. And... I think that I used to take that to mean it's 80%, you've just got to have mental toughness, or mm-hmm. but it's actually about mental fitness. But then when you've gone on it, the relationship of pushing yourself beyond your limits, beyond your limits, like literally you are cooked. Yeah. You're low calorie, you're broken, you're injured. I had two busted ribs within two days. Um, and you, you are in extremely difficult circumstances and you're pushing yourself physically. And what I came to, to learn was that the mental part is not just about being tough and taking the pain. That's a given as well. Mm. It's when you get to that point where your mind has to control your body because the body feedback loop is stop this now. Yeah. We are done. We are 
absolutely redlining on 100%. And then your brain just goes, no, we are not done. We, we hear what you're saying. You're in agony. It's obvious. So go a bit harder and yeah. shut up. So you do and you drive yourself that little bit harder. And I've never, I've driven myself to, you know, exhaustion before and I've driven myself hard before and I've felt that pain but I've never been to that point where I've gone where the needle has just snapped off and gone over the over the edge until I do this AS. So there's some truth to David Goggins' theory that uh, yeah. when you're exhausted, you've yep. still got still got twenty percent. Still got twenty percent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd read his book before. Um, I read a few books. They surprise people. I can read. Um, <laughs> but I read his book before I went on the course as well. And yeah. there was there's lots of stuff there that is quite relatable. But there is it. I did think about that, and I knew that from uh, people who've served before. They said when you think you're at a hundred percent you are going to have to find, dig deep. And I didn't understand the, the terminology. You know this, yeah. dig deep, dig deep, dig yeah. deep. When you're in a competitive sport, you can do that, but you are also probably got other people there around you. You have, yeah. When it's on you 100% to keep going and keep pushing yourself, you, you literally dive down into your soul and find that fire in your gut and you just find an internal rage and that will push you. And it's an exciting thing for people to realise that they have got a lot more in them than they believe. Awesome. Yeah. It's so powerful. And has it changed you, you think, after coming off that show? Because it would have to, wouldn't it, really, finding something 100%. deeper within yourself? Yeah. 100%. More mentally than, than physically. You know, I was pretty fit going in. I did f- get a lot fitter um, and certainly um, the fitness went more into resilience, mm-hmm. able to take pain and yep. take discomfort long, for longer periods of time. But mentally, far, far stronger coming off that. Yeah. You just, you have to be switched on. And you've got to, more than anything, you've got to face yourself. Before you go on, you've got to face yourself and face all your demons because they're going to come up real fast on yeah. that show. Like yeah. days into it, you are looking at yourself in the mirror, even though there's no mirror. <laughs> you're looking at your psychological mirror and just going, what sort of person am I? The thing is, is that the way it comes across is hyper real and it is like that. Mm. Like it's, it's, I've been around television and entertainment for, you know, 20 odd years. And this is like what what it was like when people see it. Mm. Um, that's what it was like to be there. Yeah, it's not. There's no trickery. There's no. Produ- you never speak to producers. There's no yeah. producers there. They can't even step in. They're not allowed to talk to the DS. They're not allowed to talk to us. Nothing. Yeah. Wow. You go in there and it's it's on. And the calorie restriction was quite confronting. Quite hard. Oh, mate, I did not anticipate how I know I tried to train myself a little bit with deprivation, food deprivation. So I'd go and do like really long exercises, six hour pack marches under 40 kilos with no food, Mm -hmm. um, just with water, um, nonstop. And I thought that had prepared me enough, but what happens, you know, this after about three days, four days, you've probably eaten all the fat off your body. Yeah. If you're only on 1500 calories a day and you're burning thousands and thousands every time you go out the door, um, that it plays a toll on your mind. Mm-hmm. You start thinking a lot about food, yeah, <laughs> a lot about food. Um, but you also too have a massive appreciation of everything you get. So yeah. you know, somebody will give you a crappy bowl of porridge that's cold, and you just go, "Oh, because this porridge, it's like glue. It's the best glue I've ever eaten." Were there any mental uh, coping strategies you implemented to get through some of that tough uh, challenges? Yeah, I, I was like, get to get to the next day. Yep. You know, because you do have good days and you have bad days. I had I've I had a, a tough start physically. I got injured quite badly in the first two days, but I was able to push through that. I think because I had good calories on me, I, yeah. I was feeling fit and I was alright. I was able to push through the pain because there's no painkillers. I didn't mm. take any painkillers yeah. for, for the ribs. Um, so the, my strategy was just just get on to the next day, 
And when you're having a bad day, you just got to realize that that day will pass. And then the next day you can just come out and bang, you're yeah. a weapon again. And it's a great feeling. And it's a great it. example of what uh, many people would be experiencing at the moment with mental health challenges or whatnot. Yeah. That, you know, it's just a bad day, but not necessarily a bad life. Yeah, it's a great point. Yeah. And I, look, I really think more now about mental health than I have ever in my life mm. about how important it was. Uh, because it's, and the mental health is about, for me, it's about mental fitness. Mm. And you can train your brain the same way you can train your body to to be more resilient and know that you, if you're having a shit day or a you know a bad week, that 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 can pass. You can turn that. If you don't like what it is, you can you can have the uh, the tools and the power to do that. Great advice. Any tips for building that uh, mental fitness? Um, yeah, I think that you've just knowing that it is it's a, a mental fitness. Yep. Just knowing that, understanding the difference between mental toughness and mental fitness, and it was it was actually former um, SAS and former commandos who told me that I went to see them um, speak at a seminar last year. That's when this show was actually um, up on offer, and I was like, "I'll go and hear these boys talk." And the thing I took from all of them was an ex Navy SEAL, there was a paratrooper, there was two commandos, and an ex SAS soldier. And they're all on a panel, and they all talked about mental fitness over mental toughness. I said, "Mental toughness is just, you know." That's just something people say to sound tough. Mm. Mental fitness is what you want. And that's about, if you look at it like that, you go, well, I can, I, if I can train my body, I can train my mind. Mm. And I, that's what I did. So I did, you know, um, I still do lots of meditation. Yeah, I was Medi- going to ask. Yeah. Up in the morning, yeah. f- you know, really, really strict morning routines are helpful. So up early, start your day early, crack on, get going, meditation, exercise, Mind and body ready to go, and then you can then you'll find everything else easier after that. Yeah, do you have a meditation form that you utilise? Do you just do breathing meditation or gratitude meditation? Or <sighs> look, I'll be honest, I rub myself down with oils. Uh, a lot of <laughs> a lot of no, I don't. I get somebody else to do it. Um, no, I I just I yeah I can I do different practice different forms yep. of meditation. Yep. Um, and sometimes it might go for fifteen minutes, or sometimes, and I might use guided meditation. Yeah. Um, and on other uh, other times, I'll just do it myself and, and get into a good place. But it's always about positive reinforcement and getting yourself, you know, mentally right. Because then when you go to exercise, you, you've you've already, you know that you you're there. Yep. So you go and exercise, and then once you've exercised, you go well. Even if it's only a light walk, you've ticked that box, body and mind, ready to go. Fantastic advice, isn't it? It, mate, it's, it's huge. It's been huge for me getting yeah. that discipline into my life, that morning routine into my life, and getting that mental sharpness first, and then the physical backup. Huge. It's a great tip. Easy tip as well. You know, when you think about it, win the win the morning, win your day, mm-hmm. starting the right way. Yeah, building them habits. Yep. And, and whatnot. Habits. Uh, I find it really interesting. Like someone like yourself is so creative, so smart, and you know, so right. you know, like so act proactive. Like you're somebody that's very much, um, you know, not saying. ADHD, but you're all, you know, very hyperactive in the brain. Did you find meditation challenging at first to quieten the brain? Yeah. You know what? I actually, I um, went and did a meditation course last year for 10 weeks. Yeah. And because I just, I was just, honestly, I was just feeling really mentally low. Mm. And I felt like, hang on a second, I reckon um, I'm, I'm on a down, I could feel that I was on a downward slide mentally. When I've always been confident. I've always been strong. I've always been in control of my thoughts. But I started losing, it's just was chipping away and I went, hang on a second, this could go into something very worrying. So I went, well, I'll, maybe I just need to step out of it for a bit and try something different. 
So I spoke to a psychologist. That was not really a complete answer for me. Yep. Um, I tried meditation for 10 weeks and that helped me, but those first few weeks were very difficult to try and just allow my mind to stop worrying about things, to get into a place where I could just park it and focus on other stuff. So it's a discipline. Yeah, and it's a great advice you've given too about using apps, utilising technology. Yeah, yeah. And there's no perfect way to meditate like you touched upon earlier as well. Yeah, yeah. And look, it's different for different people. Some people like to lie down. I like to sit down. Uh, just with my back against the wall. And you know, I actually really like open eye meditation. I find yeah. that I can go, you know, pretty deep that way. Um, but whatever works, you know, and yeah. that's the thing is something like if you commit to it, if and you're not afraid to be, you know, teased by your mates, which is ridiculous, yeah. um, then you can get real benefit out of it. And what I've come to realise, you know, at the time I was really kind of, I was even embarrassed telling my wife I was going to go and do a meditation course. <laughs> Um, but she's, of course, she was just like, yeah, yeah. okay, go and do it. What do I care? Yeah. Just don't interrupt meal times. Um, <laughs> but I was, I was strangely, cause I found it stupidly uh, as though it was emasculating. Mm. Like it was a bit, oh, you know, why don't you go and put some flowers in your hair, mate? And, yeah. you know, um, you know, chase some rainbows or something. <laughs> I don't know. It was just, and that's just probably a product of my upbringing and, you know, the generation that I'm from. Um, but then once I started getting into meditation, I realized, you know, there were some good benefits from that. And then when I started talking to ex-military guys about trying to, you know, prepare myself for SAS, for the, the television show, I found out all of them meditate. The, the course, the SAS course is designed to break you mentally. Mm. The physical stuff is a given. You, you've got to have that fitness level there, that base level there. But being the, the strongest the toughest, the fastest is not necessarily going to carry you all the way in the, in the real world, in the real SAS, in real special forces or on this TV show. It's not the defining point um, of success. It is a balance between how you control your thoughts, your emotions and your focus using your brain, how you, you manage that under massive duress, under low calories, very little sleep, high stress, you're always worried about being blown up, literally, um, and how you can manage all of those aspects within your own personality without, you know, turning on yourself or turning on others. That's why people do boot camps and Tough Mudder and, you know, there's things out there that I think it's great uh, that you can find something that you to push yourself, mm. to challenge yourself. And I know a lot of ex-military guys do run those sorts of camps where they will dunk you in the ocean and you'll go through cold water, th- you know, immersion and uh, pain immersion, and you will find a different level. And it's, it's. I think it's good for the human DNA mm. to sh- literally shake up your DNA mm. because you have, you know, really kind of weird side effects that come off the back of doing something like that. Your hormones change. Mm. You know this. Mm. You know, it's, it's not just about having testosterone to punch through and, and to go on. Your chemical composition of your brain is changing because you've eaten all the fat off your body and you're now eating your own muscle. Mm. So your body has changed, you know, the physiological uh, response your body's having is different to anything you've had before. And it's not about weight loss. It's not about, it's it's about survival. Mm. And your body just triggers all these different hormones and different capacities to keep you alive. And the survival mechanism will tell you, stop doing this. And that's when your mind has to be strong enough to say to your very innate survival mechanism, no, I'm making, I'm making a conscientious decision to bypass that survival instinct and keep going further and mm. further for what is, would normally be 
a dangerous situation. Yeah. So how do you, um, I suppose for want of a better word, get through them tough periods? It's the conversations you have with yourself every single day. I think you become mindful of the fact that we're always talking to ourselves mm. um, and our stories yeah. about ourselves determine who we are and what we achieve in life. Yeah, 100%. Did you become a lot more aware of how important that inner voice was on yeah, the show? 100%. Mm. I mean, you've, you're clearly, you're there, you know what it's like. Yeah, it's like I find that when you talk about those inner voices and you talk about, you know, um, keeping a, a positive frame around who you are and what you do and your own story, it's it's like talking to people who have seen the same movie. You know, if somebody hasn't seen Star Wars and you try to describe Han Solo to them, they yeah. just go, what are you talking about? <laughs> if you're trying to describe, you know, Boba Fett, people don't know what you're talking about, but we do because yeah. we've seen it. And I think it's the same with that, that um, understanding of yourself self-acceptance, the ability to um, give yourself positive frameworks within your own mindset. That's mm. really super important and to keep them. And it's, you know, it's no one's perfect. They will slide. Mm. It's like it's like any other muscle in your body. Exercise it or it will diminish. Yeah. So what do you do now that you're out of this, uh, this program to maintain that edge? Wake up every morning and just tell myself how awesome I am. <laughs> just, just straight out. Sometimes I, re- sometimes I record my own voice going, you're, you're awesome. You're awesome. Um, no, look, positive reinforcement yeah. through meditation is good. Yeah. Um, and trying to be objective in situations, that's what I've, I've become a lot better at is, you know, the mastery of, of going, here's, here's a negative and where's the positive and – What's the objective opinion on both of these things and trying to find those things? Because nothing is really like, you know, with the exception of death, disease and harm like that, there's nothing is usually, nothing is as bad as you think it is mm. at that first instance. It's like, oh, calamity. You know, and I think we've been, that's part of the, you know, the news cycle, you know, social media is like, you know, you see them, oh, crap, it's the worst. It's the worst. Everything's <laughs> like straight to DEFCON 5. <laughs> and what's great is if you can get a little bit of calm in, in your and your psyche, you can see DEFCON 5 and straight away go, it's probably just DEFCON 1. Before we'd go on task, before we'd do something fully hectic, and we've got to remember we have no idea what we're about to do. Mm. So the, the fear is there when you're, you're in a truck and you're going somewhere and you're already cold and you know it's going to get a lot worse. Shut your eyes, calm your breathing down, just breathing, slow breathing, because your body can't be in flight or fight response if you can't breathing. No. Mm. You know, it's the sympathetic nervous system won't allow it. So if you can calm your breathing down, you can calm your thoughts down, and you can control your reactions to things. So then when you step out, you've actually gone very peaceful and calm. And there's one moment for me on, on that show where it's the most hectic thing we do, right? For me anyway, it was without doubt the most hectic hectic thing. It is full on and nothing, nothing can prepare you for it. I've never been like in that circumstance in my life, but I've imagined it. I knew that I was up next and I was sitting on my berg and sitting on my bag. And I just, I knew that it was hectic because I knew that I'd seen other people go through and I went, Whoa. and I went, I've got to calm. I've got to get into the right place. So I just dropped down, shut my eyes and just meditated for about 30 seconds. And then when I opened my eyes, on, and just went and dominated. That's amazing. Absolutely crushed it because I'd taken the time to just calm myself down, get a grip of where I was at, what was going on, calm my breathing down. And then when I went on to it, I was 100% prepared. Something I'm excited about that you just mentioned, and I don't talk to too many people about it, but is breath. 25,000 times a day we breathe. Yep. 
Most people don't breathe the right way. No, get a uh, breathe from your diaphragm. Yeah, diaphragm, yeah. breathe through the nose. Nasal breathing something that's very important. Yep. Do you want to expand on the importance of just breathing? Like you touched upon it then, but yep. most people breathe through their mouth and yeah. when they're doing exercise, they think that's the way to exercise, but nasal breathing is a lot more effective. Yeah, it's, look, I, I th- when I exercise, when I'm running, mate, I'm, I'm it's, yeah. it's all going through the mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Particularly if I'm running fast. Um yeah, look, I, I can't control my breathing through exercise like that yeah. unless it's yoga or something like that. Yeah. It's a bit more passive. Um, but, yeah, breathing through the nose right down into the belly, um, does con- it calms you down and controls yeah. you. And I would do that throughout the day. I would try and do that maybe a dozen times. Yeah, great. And all it does is just resets. Yeah, it just resets. brings you back down, stops you from, you know, getting too far away from the, that good baseline. Yeah, yeah. Um, but definitely, like when when I was uh, on the show, I, every time I could, I would do that. Just drop down every opportunity I could. I would drop down, just slowed up the breathing. So you're not meditating like you know, thinking, taking your mind away too far. No. You can't because you know it's going to get hectic. So what you do can do is control your breathing, and that just makes the the biggest difference. Because if you start hyperventilating. And then you go on to something, you're ill prepared. And you're creating and shallow breathing. Yeah, sh- and shallow breathing, you know, that's no yeah. good. And you're creating awareness about your thoughts as well. You bring yourself back to yourself. Yep. Yeah. You're oxygenating your yeah. blood. Yeah. You're calming your nervous system down. Um, but yeah, you are literally drawing more, more oxygen to your blood. So Look. you're in a better state. The Health Hacker with Adam McDougall. Obviously, you know, watched your career from afar and, and, and got to catch up with you over the years and just to see where you are transformed physically and mentally to what you were like, you know, oh. the men's health, before the men's oh, health, yeah. it was probably really your first, you oh, know, toe in the water with <sighs> physical transformation. It's huge. I was, I was close to 100 kegs. Yeah, 100 kegs, I know, yeah. yeah. And, and I, what are you now? Uh, I went on SAS at about 82, I reckon. Yeah, I got amazing. down to about 81. Before I went on, and I put on a bit of extra fat before I went on. Yep. Um, but eighty four is a, a pretty good weight for yeah. me. That's where I came off the the men's health thing at about eighty four. So around about that, at the, at the I'll probably be around about that at this stage. That I was living a very unhealthy life, and you don't even know. Yeah. But you, I haven't broken. I haven't. I've probably punched up to about eighty seven. It's you know over Christmas, <laughs> <laughs> and you like your wines. So yeah, it's good. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, but everything everything in moderation. But it's all about balance. I say this to people all the time because you know I work within the wine industry and I've I've got um, a keen interest in in wine. But I don't drink every day. Yeah, I never make that mistake. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I tend to not. Dr- I might drink I'm, usually on a Wednesday night. I'll have a bottle of wine with my wife. Yeah. But then on weekends, I do whatever I like. I yeah. treat my body. Appallingly, like my body's a rental car on the weekends. Seriously, it is a Hyundai gets, and I just drive it into a pole. Um, but yeah, otherwise I keep pretty good disciplines around it, and that way, you know, if I if I've exercised and I've looked after myself through the week, I feel good when I you know indulge a bit. Yeah, you got to. It's, it's the good twenty year old. You got to have that balance. Yeah, it's the balance. But, but yeah, the, the thing I'm amazed about is that transformation. You know, like the fact that you were living this lifestyle that was so different to what it is now. You probably couldn't imagine yourself. Being on a show like the SAS nah. 10 years ago, nah. let alone, you know, losing the weight that you lost with the, the men's health. Yep. Was it the lifestyle of the radio, do you think, that pushed you into that sort of health predicament or? Yeah, and you know what else I reckon too, and this would be, you know, common for, for men and women who are listening, is that, you know, you have kids mm. 
And then all of a sudden, you're just blown out. (laughs) What has happened here? And it's just because you've had to change your lifestyle around the kids. No sleep's a big one. That's it. So your sleep patterns change, you know, all of a sudden you're you're eating things that you might not normally eat because they're more convenient. Leftover fish fingers. A hundred percent. So many leftovers. Just go, oh God, that mashed potato's not going to eat itself. If you're not going to eat it, I'll eat the entire bucket. It's it's that's that's what it is. You just yeah. you know your habits change, and before you know it, you turn around and just go, hang on a second, I've I've put on a considerable amount of weight, but it's it's like um, you know, it's the straw that breaks the camel's back. Yeah. It's just it's just the, the smaller incremental uh, weight that you put on, and then you turn around, and you go, oh my God, I'm nearly hundred kilos. Yeah, it's just that R moment, isn't it? You sort of one day just look at yourself and go, what what happened? Yeah, yeah. Mm. I, saw, I saw it was for me. I saw a photo of myself. Uh, for a publicity shoot, and I just went, my God! I, not only do I look heavy, um, I look, I look unwell. Yep. I didn't look, um, not about fitness. Like my, my, I just didn't look. I looked a bit sort of unwell, like mm. sickly. And I went, that's not me. I've always, even if I've carried weight, I've always looked healthy in the face. And I went, Ugh, I reckon we need to have a look at you, sport. And so, then, what were the big changes you made? Like, obviously, you, the photo shoot looked amazing. That you got down in such good shape. What, what was the hardest part, I suppose? Firstly, how did you get the motivation? Was it that R moment, like you said, or? Yeah, I'm pretty disciplined. Mm. Like, I'm I'm pretty self disciplined with stuff. Like, mm. once I decide I'm going to do something, I'm very determined. Yeah. So if I decide, if I say I'm going to do something, it will get done. Yeah. It's that's just my personality. I will just I will just get it done. Um, so I decided I was going to lose 12 kilos and that's exactly how many I lost. Yeah. I just peeled them off. Um, but I think the the hardest part was probably, uh, just addressing the diet and having it. I, the big one was having an understanding of what calories are, yeah. how I'm consuming them, when I'm consuming them and what benefits I'm getting from certain foods, you know, eating junk food, I get no benefit from it. I get tired later. And all it's done is just added to body fat. Whereas if, you know, just simple things, bit of brown rice, more protein and just a few, and just, just always ate good food, but I was just eating it wrong. Like I'd eat, I'd eat something like, um, spaghetti pasta is good for you, right? But having pasta five nights a week is probably not, you know, and having too large a server is not good either. So, you know, that's just pull it back a little bit on the portions. I'm not one of those people that says, oh, you know, here's your hand and your meal should be the size of your hand. It's going, well, you know, I've got big hands and other parts (laughs) of me not quite so much. So let's not go around doing sizing. Um, I just went, you know, look, I'll just not eat. I won't eat to capacity every time I eat. And I think that's what I was doing. I was just eating until I was absolutely full as opposed to, you know, satiated and had enough. And you reframed uh, your relationship with food too from the sounds of it. Yeah. The way that you actually, you know, looked at food rather than looking at it as something to comfort yourself, you looked at it as fuel. Fuel. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that I've got a friend of mine who is quite fit, and to him, food is entirely fuel, mm. and I will never be that way. Yeah. I love I love good food. I love eating. I like cooking. You know, I'm really into it, and I like wine, obviously. So I, it's not that's not going to be me. Yeah. Uh, that's somebody else, and that's fine. If they only said is is fuel, I actually feel sorry for them because you know they just eat to fuel up and go. Yeah. Um, whereas I don't look at it like that. But what I do have is a, a more healthy respect for what I'm putting into myself. Yeah, you get what goes in, has to come yep. out. Except for when I'm drinking. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, I'm terrible. So you, you got the food part right, exercise part. Were you much of an exerciser before you went on this journey? I thought I was. Yeah. I thought I was doing enough, but what I was not doing was exercise that was intense enough to burn calories. Yep. 
So, you know, I did a lot of yoga because I've got some um, injuries, long-standing injuries in, in my back and my neck. And so I was I was doing a lot of yoga and I still really like yoga. Yeah. Um, lots of special forces guys do it too, by the way. It's like meditation, okay? We can, <laughs> tough guys can do it too. Um, I, I was doing exercise that was not pushing my body hard enough. Yeah, right. So I just went, oh, okay. Actually, I, running 4Ks is probably not enough. And running it at that pace, I, really, am I really pushing myself? No, I'm not. So I just kind of looked at the metrics of, of what I was doing when I was doing it and increased all of those and went, okay, I need to put myself under a bit more physical duress to get the results. Yeah, so you weren't hiding behind an injury as such saying you had a bad back so therefore you couldn't do it. Nah, but I mean I, one of the reasons I started to to change and get into good exercise is because my neck was so bad. I've got some compressed discs in the yep. top of my neck and – I was seeing a chiropractor like almost weekly and sometimes weekly. Like it was yeah. ridiculous, like just to get my neck cracked back into place. And I just went, this is garbage. And he's, the chiro said to me, go and try Pilates. It'd be good for you. And I went and tried Pilates and went, I hate this so much. I cannot tell you how much I hate this. <laughs> it's not for me. Um, so then I went and did um, some yoga because I'd done martial arts as a kid. And yeah. so it was quite flexible and it just appealed to me a bit more, yeah. a bit more yin and yang. And, um, that was good, but again, it was great for flexibility, really like pretty much instant results from a neck, yep. but it was not intense enough to burn the, the calories. Yeah, gotcha. So what I do now, what I try to do is have a bit of balance between them. So, you know, I do strength work, I do running, I do some swimming uh, when I can, and I try to get some yoga in there as well to try to, you know, get the muscles in every aspect kind of moving and, and happy. Sounds like you have a great balance there. Balance, mate. It's all about balance. Yeah, yeah. All about balance. And then sleep would have been the, the, the I suppose, the gold star for you, obviously coming off the back of breakfast radio for how many oh, years? Yeah, yeah. Being sleep deprived, we know how hard that is to be healthy. <sighs> that's that's the, hugely underestimated mm. key, I reckon. You know, it's exercise, food, and sleep. Yeah. They're the three things. And it's funny, you know, in, in the special forces, there's a, a phrase that I was uh, told, and I believe it totally now, sleep is a weapon. Sleep is a weapon. You get your sleep patterns right, changes everything for you. So, you know, I, I and again, you know, you use technology. I've got a, um, a an iPhone um, and there's an app on there that I use, which is synced to my Apple Watch. Yep. So I'm always like, you know, I've, I've got my VO2 max on my watch. I, check yeah, I was going to ask you about that. You really find that a great device? Oh, mate, this thing's unreal. Yeah. This thing just absolutely swear by it. Yeah. Because I, ch- I can, can check my uh, blood oxygen levels, you know, heart rate, all that stuff that I didn't understand or have any relationship with, I do now. That's awesome, yeah. I, 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 this is a, a, an interesting side, I think, from the preparation I did. I've got Raynard's disease. Yeah, Raynard's, yeah. Where you're excruciating pain in your hands and feet from the cold. Cold, yeah. And it doesn't have to be that cold. So just over a year ago, I was in Hobart and it was a cold night and I thought I was rugged up. I had layers on, but my hands were exposed and I was just wearing runners. And my feet and my hands got so cold. It was three degrees, three four degrees at night. It got so cold that I said, "I've got to, I've got to bail out of here. I'm, yeah. I'm done." And I, I got back to my hotel room and I had to have a warm shower. And I was in bad shape. And I yeah. was like, "This is ridiculous!" Like I was in agony. And then with uh, with the SAS show, I knew from watching previous episodes, and also knew that we were going down to Jindabyne. Yeah. You're going to get into some very very cold water. You're going to be exposed to cold temperatures a lot. And I've got to prepare. So um, I started, you know, doing cold showers and cold showers are great if you want to do them, whatever. I wasn't doing them that rigorously, but what I was doing was cold baths, Mm. ice cold baths. And um, 
it culminated like I, I was not really thinking about it because I thought I've got to prepare my body. I've got to break the Raynards. I have to snap whatever it is, yeah. whether it be mental or physical. I've got to stop that link or I'm, getting, I'm not going to be any good on that show. So I started having like four or five ice baths a week with about uh, anywhere between six and eight bags of ice in That's there. That's cool. That's intense. It's a lot. Yeah. And then I would sit in it uh, for no less than 16 minutes up to my neck. Yeah, wow. And then um, I started noticing that although I hated it every single time, I never got used to it. Yeah. What I noticed that the pain reaction and I would go into a meditative state when I was there, I noticed that all of a sudden my hands and my feet weren't retaining the pain anymore and it was changing, shifting, and I went, hang on, this is getting better. So I started to dial it up and I got to 24 minutes. That's tough. That's good. So I got to 24 and then I started to get pins and needles in my my hands and my feet and my face. And I was going, hang on a second, this is, this something's changed here. Something's, you've gone too far. <laughs> you get out. So I got out, I got out of the bath and then I thought I should probably Google how long you meant to have an ice bath for. <laughs> and it Not said even elite athletes should never go past 15 minutes. Yeah. And I thought probably should have Googled this first <laughs> before I nearly sent myself uh, to hospital because yeah. when I went out of the bath, I went, oh, you're in bad shape, Watsy. Go and have a warm shower. And, and the Raynards are settled gone. down. It's not, I, I wouldn't say it's gone, but I can't, I know that when I was uh, down in the, in the snow and, you know, going literally under an ice, you know, under an ice pack in, in the river, it's one of the things we have to do is go into frozen water. It just was not a problem. Yeah. It's either, it's either mental or it's physiological. I don't know, but I actually reckon that what I've done, getting back to the original point, is I reckon I might have shocked my body yeah. into just going, nah. Adaptation. Yep, correct. Yeah, adaptation. Yeah. And that's the problem, you know. You are talking about it before. You had a sore neck. Lifestyle choices, whether it's looking at a phone all the time, being on the computer, your body adapted to become, yep. you know, ridden with pain because of the posture. We're not meant to yep. sit that way. So it's yeah. an amazing journey that you've gone on. As I said, it's, it's been such a great chat being able to sit down here with you today and talk to you about different things. And we always like to, to finish off with a couple of quick questions, quick fire questions. Um, you're very well read. What, what's a motto that you live by? Recently, I've picked up one. If you don't like your life, build a new one. Love it. And if you have to gift a book to somebody, what would it be? Atomic Habits. Love it. James Cleary. Yeah. It's, it's a book about how if you change your habits, you can change your life through your, everything from your personality, your outlook, everything will change through simple, basic changes, slow incremental changes in your habit. You know, don't, if you, and here's a great example, you'd know this too, is that you, you go, if you want to start waking up at five o'clock, which is the winner's hour, mm. right? It really is. You get a lot, a lot of, a lot of stuff done if you're getting up at five. If you want to do that and you're currently waking up at 7am, don't set your alarm for 5 a.m. You set it for, you know, 6.45 and then 6.30 and you eventually you'll get back to 5, but take your time to do it. Mm. But it's the habit of continually setting that marker. And before you know it, you, it's, you know, it's how do you eat an elephant piece um, by, by piece. Yep. And so it's about just, celebration too, mate, yep. setting goals that are achievable and then yeah, celebrating them. That's it. That's it. Set achievable goals. If, mm. Like I said, if you try and set your alarm for 5 o'clock, you will not get up. It'll yeah. go off and you go, no, nah, I'm not doing that. One of the great things with Atomic Habits, again, is one that I implemented was do not touch social media until you have hit all your four morning goals, right? So my morning goals are uh, meditation, exercise, 
looking at my goals, what I want to do for the day, what I want to do long-term, reviewing that, having a look at that, then usually authoring. You know, that's a big thing. A lot of people like to have, uh, you know, a diary or something like that. I do a little less of that. I might go and write some comedy or write something. But what it does is you're literally writing manuscript. Once I've done those four things, then I'll check social media. Mm. You check social media first, you get drawn into that, into that world where you are not giving out, you're pulling in. Mm. And we all know social media is, you know, particularly Twitter is a quagmire mm. of unhappiness. And if you start your day by getting involved in the news, no news, no, no news sites at all, nothing until everything else is all the positive stuff is gone. Because then when you confront a news story, which would normally make you and give you anxiety, you just go balance. Mm. It's not real. Who mm. cares? That's not a real big thing. Whatever. Mm. Such and, good advice, not watching the news first thing in the morning. Yep, stay away from it. Don't touch news Don't touch your phone. or Don't social media until after 9am, until you've crushed everything else, including nutrition. Hack. Great hack, isn't it? Yep, Tommy Cabot. Yep, great hack. And as a father, you, you know, you've endured so much and you've developed so much. What, what, what's probably the most valuable lesson you think you can pass on to your kids? 100%, and I've, I've been really good with this with my kids this year and particularly through the COVID crisis is – getting them to understand the importance now at their age, 11 and nine, uh, the relationship between the body and the mind. Uh, my kids like to spend a lot of time. They like to play Fortnite and go online and they get exposed to a lot of, you know, the digital world. Tools down, kids, come with dad. We go for a walk, go through, you know, walk through parks, go and have a kick of the footy a lot with my son. Um, my daughter's very active anyway. She does a lot of gymnastics. But getting them to see the importance of physical activity and how the relationship between the, the physical and the mental works. And I explain to my kids, understand, I go, see how you're in a bad mood now and your attitude is poor. That is not because you're a bad kid. It's because you've just spent three hours on technology and it has just changed you. You're, you're twitchy and you're yeah. reactive. Come with me. We'll go down the park. We have a kick. We have a chat. We have dialogue. Break it away from them. And then they come back. Every time they're always better. They're in a better mood. They feel good and they know it. And they're starting. What's great now is they understand that when they do that, it is good for them. They see it. They see the benefits themselves. Like even my son goes, I just feel a little less stressed now, Dad, after going for a kick. And I go, yeah, that's it. If you got a billboard in uh, Times Square, what would you have on it? My head. <laughs> Just my head, no explanation. Just make people think about it. They go, what's that head doing there? No titles, no graphics, just that head. Let them think about it. Oh, fantastic, mate. Thank you so much. Absolute pleasure. Dynamite. Health Hacker was created in collaboration with Podcast One Australia. Written and presented by Adam McDougall. Produced and presented by Alex Mitchell. Audio production by Darcy Thompson. To listen to more episodes, search Health Hacker Podcast. Listen for free at podcast1australia.com.au or download the Podcast One Australia app.